You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Morning Footy, presented by Taco Bell. The U.S. Men's National Team in action tonight. CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinals against Trinidad and Tobago, 9 p.m. Eastern on TNT. And right now, we are absolutely delighted to welcome in our very good friend, Jimmy Conrad, who is so much better at us than betting. But today, we're not even going to talk about that. (laughs) Is that a onesie? You know what? Listen, listen. It's the night before a big game. If we win this or win big, obviously, it sets us up for leg two, and then we qualify for the Copa America next summer in the Nations League. There's no messing around. So I had to put on my good luck charm onesie that uh, represents the USA. And honestly, it's super comfortable, too. So there's a lot lot of wins over here. I was going to say, it's really, really early on the West Coast, and we are so grateful to you for getting up. So I totally – I would be rocking that onesie, too, man. I'd be in my pajamas (laughs) for sure. Yeah, I, I, are you wearing pajamas? I can't even see what you're wearing kind over of. there, Suzanne. Yeah, but it's yeah. A, I have like the biggest, bulkiest sweater on because it's absolutely, you know, it's absolutely freezing in the studio. You've been <laughs> That's here. That's true, I do know. You I get it, know. you get it. You feel no, my pain. Co- comfort first, comfort, comfort first, 100%. No, no matter where you are. I can't do exactly. my job if I'm not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, okay, how are you feeling heading into uh, this first leg of the quarterfinals against Trinidad and Tobago? What are you hoping to see from this U.S. side? Well, I'm hoping to see the best possible lineup, to be honest. I don't think we should mess around. If we want to tinker, we should save that for leg two, where we have a significant lead because the last time we went down to have a meaningful game in Trinidad, it didn't go so well, and I'm still a little bit bitter about how we managed that particular situation by not qualifying for a World Cup. But I feel like we've got the team. I think we've got the motivation. I think Alexis was throwing out stats a little bit earlier in the show. Last three times we've played against Trini, we've had 19 goals for and zero against. The last time or the three times that the U.S. men's national team have played in Austin, we've scored eight goals and given up zero. So all these stats are really pointing us in the right direction, but you still got to go out there and execute no matter who's starting in this game. Jimmy, a uh, question for me is, who, who should we be looking at to, to try to have a big game that needs to have a big game? That's a great question, Alexis. I think I'm curious as to who's going to start next to Tim Ream at the center back position. We saw Chris Richards in the last window. I don't really feel like he took that opportunity with both hands. So I think it's still a little wide open. Walker Zimmerman, not part of the roster. I don't know if he's getting phased out in some capacity. Then you have uh, Miles Robinson, who I don't think has been relatively sharp for Atlanta United, especially down the stretch and in the playoffs. I want Cameron Carter Vickers to be there. 25 year old back in full health with Celtic. I know that uh, Celtic got run over by Atletico Madrid in the Champions League recently, but uh, they got an early red card and they were just holding on for dear life. And I actually thought CCV was very sharp in that particular game. And I think he's ready to take on more responsibility. So I want to see CCV, if he starts, really step up and be the guy next to Tim Ream. You got Des and Anthony Robinson back in the team. I want to see them bombing up and down the sidelines. And I say that because we don't have Timo Wea, we don't have Christian Pulisic. So it's a big opportunity also for who's going to step up in the wing position. It could be Brendan Aronson, who hasn't really gotten off to a good start with Union Berlin. Gio Reyna, will he start centrally? Will we put him out wide instead and make room for Malik Tillman? If Tillman starts, he's been excellent for PSV over the last month or so. I, I want to see what these guys can do, especially in getting the ball to full run Balogun because he needs to see more of the ball. We didn't do a good job of feeding him against Germany. We did a much better job against uh, Ghana getting him the ball, and, and obviously those scorelines reflected 
that type of service into one of our best players. And Jimmy, what's up, bro? I just want to say, wow, your your backdrop has to be one of the best. If we had decorations like that mm-hmm. at the studio, we'd be we'd be winning. Um, but I want to talk about the the history of this matchup between the two. You touched on it, and I just want to know from your perspective, what would make this a successful window against TNT? And just touch on the history for you and what it has felt like watching this national team play against TNT over the years. Well, one of the first World Cup qualifiers I ever was a part of for the U.S. men's national team was in Trinidad, and Dwight York was on the team, and and uh, it was a nervy 2-1 win. That was when Eddie Johnson was scoring a whole bunch of goals in consecutive games for us at that time. I didn't actually end up making the 18-man roster, so I sat up in the stands, and it was another level to be in and amongst the fans or relatively close to them, and the pressure that, that we have and, and had to deal with. We got, again, we escaped there with a 2-1 win, but it wasn't close. This Trinidad team, though, is a team in transition, and uh, they've made a lot of changes since the Gold Cup, and I feel like it's going to take them some time to figure out how they want to move as a group. And that's something we can take advantage of. I think our identity has been imprinted under Greg Berhalter. We're obviously trying to evolve that and take even further steps to taking over games. But I think what we've done pretty consistently under Greg is that we beat the teams we should. And, and it's really the ones that when we're going up the Germany's or if we're playing against Holland in the round of 16 in the World Cup, can we start to both tactically and technically and, and physically, mentally, emotionally, can we manage every single facet of that game? I think that's where we have to grow the most. But I actually have been really impressed with how we've managed teams that we should beat and we should beat this Trinidad team. So there's a couple answers to your question. I've already given you like 18 of them here, Jaleel. But I would say that <laughs> the first one, the first one is the scoreline, right? We got to go out there and do the hmm. business and we need a big scoreline so we don't make it close or make it nervy for us in leg two, but also how we play. There's clearly a system that we want to play. And actually, I just want to see Balogun not only getting the ball back to goal, but I want to see him being able to face the goal and and really get to run at players because he's a special, special player for us. Hey, James Paul. Hey, dude. Hey, man. Um, Hey, hey, by the way, by the way, congratulations on getting engaged. Oh, thank you. Yeah, listen, I, I... I thought she might say no, so this is really like great news. <laughs> Thanks. You know, this is amazing. Surprising. News. Unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for the love. Um, we got the kind of the temperature for the goalkeeping situation in a couple earlier segments. We heard what Charlie had to say. We heard what Julio had to say. I want to kind of pick your brains and give me your take on what. The feeling almost of the defensive line is you as a former defender on having a goalkeeper that you know is a number one, but has suddenly been demoted as a backup on his club team. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. And I think what you do when you bring a player into the national team camp is you you start to build them back up again. Uh, I think Christian Pulisic's a good example of that, who was going through the ups and downs at Chelsea. Obviously, an automatic starter for us, but... But for his club team, he was having a tough time really getting those impactful and meaningful minutes. So getting them back into the fold, the U.S. men's national team, especially under Greg, has a nice culture. The players talk about it a lot, uh, feeling like it's a family. And when you're around family and somebody's going through a tough time, you got to pick them back up and keep their head up and get after it. So I, I, I fully expect any of our players that are going through a tough time to really embrace coming back into the team and, and making the most of it. And wanting to, when you know that you have players or teammates that have your back, you always want to go out there and put your best foot forward and perform well for them. So I don't really have any real issues with guys that are in and out of the team, especially when they're back amongst their friends. I mean, they really seem to enjoy playing with each other. And that's that's a big, big uh, reason why we're going to have any type of success as a team. 
Uh, Jimmy, Nico, Nico suggested that uh, Matt Turner likely won't be that challenged in these matches against Trinidad and, and Tobago. Do you kind of agree with that? Because I agree. I mean, like, I feel like this is a, a good opportunity for him to not that Matt Turner is a confident young man, but in order to just kind of, you know, have regain, reassert yeah, himself. Exactly. Yeah, I get uh, it. Do you do you feel like uh, this is a game where, you know, he has there's something that he can gain from that? Well, I think what we saw in the last game against Ghana in the last window, we were all over Ghana. Ghana was bad. And there was an opportunity that Ghana had where Matt Turner made a world-class save. And that was really the only world-class save or save that he had to make in that game. So being switched on, staying focused, I think this isn't isolated to Matt Turner too. This is the whole back line. When you know that you're probably going to dominate a team, we're going to have a lot of the ball. Serginio Dest loves to bomb forward, right? And obviously having great success with PSV doing that right now and hooked up with Tillman this past weekend on a, on a great goal. And then you have Anthony Robinson that likes to get forward. It's going to feel very tempting to just continue to play forward because Trinidad isn't going to maybe hurt us consistently throughout this game, but you have to be switched on to make sure we don't give up a bad counter attack. And then all of a sudden somebody's in one-on-one -on -one against Matt Turner. Matt Turner's got to come up with his one save of the game, which could have hurt us if they if, could hurt us if they end up hitting the back of the net. So, so yeah, they ha it, it's a, it's a little bit of a trap game, right? Where we should do the job, but they have some weapons that can hurt us. So they're, 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 that focus has to be at a high level throughout. Mm -hmm. When I think about what Tim Ream brings to the table, Matt Turner obviously continues to gain experience, whether he's playing or not, right? He's still learning how to be even a better professional and how when he does get his opportunities, being ready for it. I want to see CCV. And then it's just a matter of keeping one of your holding midfielders in front of you as other players bomb forward. And then maybe one of Anthony Robinson and, and Serginho Dest has to stay disciplined that if one goes, the other one has to stay. So it's just these little things that I'm sure the guys have covered for sure. All right, Jimmy, it's about that time. Ooh. Give us give us oh. a score prediction, oh. my bro. Ooh. And we need the exact score here because <laughs> this is what's going to happen tonight. Give it to us, bro. Yeah, I'm going to go with the trends. Obviously, we scored a lot of goals and not given up a lot against Trinidad. This game, a little bit tighter, maybe a little bit hard to break them down to start. I don't really see them coming at us, right? So I think they're going to sit back and absorb and try to hit us on the counter. Maybe try to get us at 0-0 at half, and then can they steal a goal on a set piece or, or a counter in the, in the second half? I like 3-0. We, we really got to get after them right away. I, I, I want to replicate what we saw against Ghana, where we were all over them it, it, right from the get-go. And if we can do that, then I think we're going to be in a good spot. So I'm going to say 3-0. Who's scoring? Ooh. I got Balogun. I'll say Balogun gets one. Uh... I don't know who's going to be doing our, our wing play. I'd love to see Malik Tillman score. That would be a good one. And then uh, just for fun and give a shout out to the center backs, I see CCV get a slam dunk on the back post there for a header go. on the yes. corner. There we go. Love to the center backs. I love that. Jaleel knows. Jaleel knows. Jimmy, are you going to go back to bed now? What's the What's the plan? I don't know. I'm having fun here. I could be on morning footy all day. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good and ready to go. Listen, I am very comfortable, so I could – see myself yes going back and laying down but uh i know i know that you have some great guests coming up so i'm probably going to keep it here at morning footy amazing uh we appreciate you so much and uh look forward to having appreciate you back you. in the studio in person at some point soon yeah i can't wait come on usa let's go let's go Woo! hey if we win taco bell on me he looks like <laughs> evil we're gonna take a break we're gonna chat uh the columbus crew and their mls cup playoff run when we return stay with us everyone we'll be right back
Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back to Morning Footy, presented by Taco Bell. MLS Cup playoffs will roll on after the international break, but round one is in the books. Here's a look at the updated bracket in the West. We are going to see the Seattle Sounders face off against LAFC. Houston Dynamo will face Sporting Kansas City. And in the East, it's Philadelphia Union against FC Cincinnati, the number one seed. And yesterday, we talked about Orlando City. They are going to host the Columbus Crew, which is the team we are going to dive into right now. So, Jaleel, I would argue that the Columbus crew have probably been one of the most fun teams to watch this year. They play some of the most attractive football that we've seen in Major League Soccer. For you, when you've watched them, what has made them so dangerous? Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, their ability to implement Wilfred Nancy's style. Mm-hmm. Um, this team in 2023 is completely different than we were last year. Last year... We barely missed out of playoffs on decision day against Orlando, or Orlando, coincidentally enough. But here you're seeing them just really come into fruition, dropping bombs from outside the box. This, look at this, boom! Come on, you can't, you cannot conjure that up any better here. But why they're playing the way that they're playing is because they fortified the roster. They've brought in your Diego Rossi's, your 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 players like Cucho, who's on his first full year with the team. And come on, what they're they're really benefiting from is is everybody is at ease in the club. All the players are happy. They. They, they love to come into work every day. They love the banter, and they love balling out on, on the weekend. They've, they've done things within the club as well to really fortify the organization with an immense amount of sellouts. So Lower.com Field has mm-hmm. become a fortress more than it was for us, us last season. And again, you just see everyone throughout the roster enjoying their football. Cucho Hernandez is balling out. Alexandru Matan is a completely new player under Wilfred Nancy and my boy Darlington Nagby is killing it. One of the, I think the only player to win three MLS Cups with three different teams. And he's poised to be on a fourth. This is, this is some really good stuff from this team. It, um, Wilfred Nancy's system reminds me of a quote from Pep Guardiola, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm going to get it wrong. But it was, don't, I don't, and there's a lot of swearing in it, so I'm not going to do that part, but <laughs> I don't care if you make a mistake because you were trying. Yes. I don't care if you miss a shot because you took a, uh, a shot that was, you were open and you had space. What I care about, what's unforgivable is not wanting the ball, is going away from the ball. And that's exactly what I see from this Columbus Crew team, a team where you, sh- you know, you went grrr, 
that was Amundsen, mm-hmm. bro. That's yeah. a center back. That's your looks up, Russ, your NYCFC <laughs> looks up, sees space, thinks, let me take a shot. Mm-hmm. The idea that you sort of attack with all your gusto at the oppo- of the opponent's goal, and if for some reason you miss out, you get that ball back as fast as possible. And as soon as you get it, if you if you're open, take a shot. Give us a chance. And that idea is so fun to watch. And it's also got to be so fun to play in. And you can see the attitude of these players. They're having a blast because they know it's not going to get stuck in, park the bus style football. This is going to be fun, attacking flair. And if you lose 5-4, you lost 5-4. But if you win 4-3, that's an exciting game for everyone. I really want to know the inner workings of how they got rid of Celarayan and they were able to get Diego Rossi so quickly. That that switch, I don't think any team in Major League Soccer can lose one of their DPs, but but how quick it was. They didn't skip a beat. They lost Lucas Celerayan. This year, isn't this it? Year. This year. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a former MVP, a former league MVP. Scoring still this season, scoring from half field. There's yeah. no, you can take a DP out of every single MLS team and they would drop down. They would, there would be a drop off in quality. And in Columbus, I feel like there was there was no learning curve. They didn't there was no. It was like okay, ciao Lucas, hola Diego, boom, back yeah. to work. It was it, it's sensational stuff. Credit to the front office. Credit to Wilfred Nancy, so, and they're super exciting. I think Tim Bezbachenko deserves so much credit as kind of the architect of this team mm-hmm. because he also, and you know very well, we don't see this very often, where a head coach gets poached from another team in the league, and he, uh, he Wilfred Nancy did so well at, at Montreal. And in the same way, they were one of the most fun teams to watch last season. And to go out and get him and to have that vision and say, this, this is the, the manager that we want for the type of football that we want to play, um, I think speaks volumes about the type of guy that Wilfred Nancy is and also how smart Tim Bezbachenko has been in assembling this team. But Jaleel, you spoke about how much the players are enjoying themselves and mm-hmm. just kind of the freedom that they feel when they know their role on the team and the, what the expectations are from Wilfred Nancy. How much credit do you give to him for the success of the Columbus crew this season? An immense amount of credit. Immense amount of credit. Because when you have a manager who, who knows exactly what he wants in every scenario, you're at ease as a player. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's, because we all know this mm-hmm. game that we love so much, it, it's subjective. And when you're left out on an island as a player to say, oh, just play how you think you should play. And then the coach kills you in film because you have interpreted a situation in one way and the coach is actually wanting you to do something else but doesn't communicate that well. That's always when players are, are going to be either upset or feel uneasy about their position within the team. But with Wilfred Nancy, what he's been able to do is come in and really explain his system. Mm. Really tell players, hey, this is what I want from you in this situation. This is how we're going to play. And be confident in that, to your point, Alexis. Make mistakes as long as it's within my system and you good. You cannot ask for anything better than that as a player. And on top of that, it's working. They're winning. Winning does cure all and it helps all, but it's exciting stuff. Mm -hmm. And and they score multiple goals. And when you look at playing against Orlando, that's what it takes. You have to score multiple goals against this team. If you only score one, you're not going to win the game against them, just statistically speaking. And Columbus Crew can do it. This is going to be a cagey affair in terms of how it's going to go. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
The only is question is, can this exciting. style work in the playoffs? You know, we've talked about American sports are a little different than, than sports across the world, especially soccer. And we've, we know this in other American sports. You need defense. You need to be strong defensively in order to win a championship. Because playoffs, you can't just go and be superstars. Now, you think about the Golden State Warriors. They may have misproved, you know, misproven that. Can, can Columbus do the same thing? Well, and this is a, a one-game series. Obviously, round mm. one was a, a best of three. This is a one-game playoff. And both teams to score. Both teams to score. Both Nico's telling me what my bet's going to be. I'm not listening. You feel me itch? You stand confident in your intuition. I can't hear you. can't hear you. But for as much as we're talking about that attacking style that Columbus plays, sometimes they leave themselves vulnerable. Yes. Jaleel, how do you think Orlando could potentially expose that for them? What will they have to do? On the wings. Yeah. On the wings is where any three-back system is the most vulnerable. Um, and, and on the break is when we've seen Columbus look, look in disarray. If you look at the, the, the second leg, if you will, against Atlanta away, yeah, they, they looked out of sorts. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, Atlanta was just having tap-ins after, you know, fast break chances. And if Orlando can get out on the break using – the speed of, of an Angulo using the speed and the, the creativity of Torres, you could have a situation where, um, you know, Columbus could be in trouble. But for me, this is going to be the most exciting, I think, matchup on the East um, because you just don't know where it's going to go. Don't want to know where it's going to yeah. go. It, it mirrors on the, on, the, on the Western side of things the, the KC-Houston matchup. You I'll just, be honest, I don't know where any of these are going to go. I don't. Seattle, L.A., like – which means you're going to bet on them. <laughs> I just know it. I know Why it, Suze. Why do you guys want to do this? I know you're going to do it, Suze. Can I give you a non-MLS bet? Yes. Put five bucks tonight on Cucho Hernandez anytime goal scorer against oh. Brazil. Oh, I actually really like that. I, I feel like it's leading up to this moment. <laughs> Colombia's lack of goal scoring. This is the amuse-bouche of an MLS it's player a, in a non-MLS game. There you go. This is go. the appetizer, <laughs> Suze. And you're going to order the porterhouse for two up. by well, yourself. So Nico Nico and I did a bet. What was our bet over the Oh, we did last weekend. playoffs. It was, oh, we did oh, a, two was, over-unders and, a, and a both teams to score. We and we hit. hit it. And so then I was like, you know, you start feeling yourself yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit again. It's dangerous. Do it, Suze. Do it's it. It's dangerous. Break the, the curse, Suze. to me. Oh, my God. Um, all right. We're going to take a break. We're going to stay on some MLS chat. We're chatting um, MLS's comeback player of the year, Alan Polito from Sporting Kansas City. That's coming up after a quick timeout. Don't go anywhere. MLS end-of-season awards have already been announced, and yesterday it was Sporting Kansas City's Alan Pulido who was named the Comeback Player of the Year. He missed the entirety of last season after suffering a knee injury, uh, but came back strong in 2023. 14 goals, three assists for Sporting Kansas City, um, and an essential part of their playoff push. 
at the end of the season. When you think about Jaleel, a player who literally missed a whole season, a whole season, a DP, a DP striker, for him to come back and be able to put up the numbers that he has put up, I mean, how remarkable is that comeback? It, it just shows his mental fortitude, yeah. honestly. The, to, to suffer this type of injury and, to your point, miss an entire season and then come back, I, I can't even say as strong as he was before, stronger. That is amazing stuff. And I think athletes don't get the credit that they deserve sometimes when, it, when, when you're talking about balancing out the, the mental side of what it is to perform mm -hmm. day in and day out, mm -hmm. having the pressure of not only performing for a sport in Kansas City, which is a big club in our league, as a designated player, also being a, a, a Mexican national team player for L3, these are, these are heavy things you're dealing with, balancing out your family as well. And when you get hurt like that, it's, it's completely isolating. You're away from the group and, and you know, that weighs heavily on you. And for him to be able to flip the script, mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing and it's, it's really a, a microcosm for their season. Awesome stuff. Yeah, I, for them too. I mean, it, here they are in the semifinals of the Western Conference. Um, I, I just, he, he, how essential is he, Nico, for Super. sporting Kansas City to continue this run that they're on? And especially with the way that Alan Pulido plays, he's a very sacrificial number nine. He, he'll drop deep, just like he was on Chivas' championship run when he kind of had a shot to fame. Mm -hmm. The way that he's able to be part of the build-up, drop deep, and from the outset, that's what Peter Vermees wanted from Alan Pulido, and in this season, I think it's his best form, his best showing. And they've got something special brewing at SKC. They do. It's wild. The eight seed. The wow. eight seed. That's going to be a fun match against the Houston Dynamo. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick timeout. A big day on Morning Footy. Our trend of amazing guests continue. We are going to chat with Taika Wakiki, uh, who is the director of Next Goal Wins. We spoke to Michael Fassbender yesterday, and today we speak to the director. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Well, this Friday, the anticipated film Next Goal Wins hits theaters, which tells the remarkable and inspiring story of Thomas Rongen and his efforts to turn the tide for the American Samoa football team in their quest to qualify for the 2014 World Cup. A true underdog story. And right now, we are absolutely thrilled and honored to welcome in the writer and director of the film, Taika Waititi. Taika, welcome to Morning Footy. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hi, you guys. How are you? We're so good. Uh, this is Thanks very exciting. Me. Very, very exciting for us. We So we had Michael Fassbender on the show yesterday who played Thomas Rongen. And we all know Thomas uh, because he is a, a co-worker of ours at, at CBS. And I said this to, to Michael yesterday. He's... Um, He's a unique person. He's an odd <laughs> duck, if you will, um, and, and just a, a true character. But for you, I'm dying to know what your initial impression of him was, because I know that you were able to, to meet him in person. What did you make of this guy? Well, sometimes I think when people make movies and, they, um, and they're depicting real-life people, they add a lot more to those characters to make them um, you know, to seem larger than life. But the real Thomas... Rongan is larger than life. He's bigger than the character that we made. Um, yeah, we. Ch I, I took a few liberties and yeah, and changed a few things and with all the characters and the whole, and the actual story. But um, but the real Thomas, I think, is an absolute sweetheart and uh, he's very gracious in giving you know permission and and trusting me uh, with his name and his uh, you know, who he is. Taika, 
what about this film made you eventually be convinced to take this project on? Obviously, you have Maori roots. Um, is it something about Polynesia and the proximity of, of, of this story? Was there something specific that told you, I yeah. really want to take this project on? Yeah, I'd just been away for a few years, about six or seven years away from the Pacific, and I'd been making um, a couple of films in Europe and, um, and in, in the States. And I uh, really missed home. And uh, yeah, I'm from New Zealand, which is yeah, very close to Samoa and Hawaii and all those places. And um, yeah, and, and then I watched the documentary and Next Goal Wins. And I think just the fact, not only that it was a, a true story um, or that it was one of the greatest underdog, um, uplifting underdog sports films I'd seen, um, it was also just the idea that it was about Pacific Islanders and that they were the heroes of the film. Um, and yeah, to suffer a loss like 31-0, 31-0 to Australia, then they still hold the, the record for biggest international loss. To, to suffer that loss, most people would give up. And, um, and the, idea, the fact that this team, they fought back and they were determined to, you know, to make a difference, to make some changes um, and to get rid of that, you know, the demons of that, that game. I think that was also something that was just very attractive to me. Uh, Taika, I, as a stand-up comedian, I, I know sometimes the advice you get early on is do what you think is funny and your audience will find you. And it feels like as a, as a director and a, and a screenwriter, you do that. You do what you think is funny and the audience has now found you and obviously you're incredible at what you do. My question for you is, what's one film from your youth that you wish you could remake? Because I feel like it'll be something that out of the blue that we might not know. A film that... that yeah, that, that it already exists that um, I loved when I was a film, uh, when I was a kid. Um, I mean, there's so many, but the ones that really stand out, that really like the, the ones that captured my heart and, and I've always carried with me since I was a young kid. Um, films like Stand by Me, mm. um, and I mean, obviously E.T. and Back to the Future and Ghostbusters and those great, great films. But um, Stand by Me was one film where I, I realized that because uh, yeah, it was a funny film, but. It just dealt with things that kids that you never saw kids talking about or kids dealing with um, on screen before that. And Taika, thanks for joining us. And just wanted to to ask about what this film really means to you. But most specifically, who do you really want this film to resonate with the most, and why? I think everyone it will resonate. Um, the film will resonate with everybody because, um, yeah, I think that. Just in the last few years, it's um, we're constantly being reminded in, um, yeah, in, in films and in, um, in television, just about yeah you know, about how how hard life is and like you know how mean humans can be to each other. And I think what's wonderful about sport is it, it brings people together. Um, you know, you're from different sides of different yeah you know, different places, different backgrounds, all with one common uh, common goal, and that's to enjoy the sport. And it brings a lot of joy to people. And I think that. You know, more than just this idea of having to win or score a goal, what what the story brings is a sense of hope um, and and happiness. You know, it's, this, the film is really is about encouraging people to try and just to be happy. Uh, well, Taika, you're talking about about sport and how it's this this unifier. You yourself have said that you're not really a football or soccer fan, and that you made oh, yeah, this no. film, and that you know <laughs> yeah, even I less know. about this sport. You're a rugby yeah, guy, yeah, which is fair. Thought, All Blacks, obviously. I, uh, yeah, I mean, this is my tea. Yeah. New Zealand, we're, we're mad for rugby, but um, I, you know, I played a little football when I was very young, and then uh, moved into rugby and rugby league, and and. And basketball, and then when I 
went to make this film, I thought I knew the rules of the game and um, the guys who made the documentary, Mike and Steve, they they were just like telling like telling me things about, oh, no, that player couldn't be there because they'd be offside. This player should be over here. You know, past this line. And I was like, huh? there's like a lot of rules for something. Like, but I never thought that this meant, this meant that the thing was that complex. So uh, coming out of the film, I just felt bamboozled by um, by all the things I didn't know. But now, I mean, I love watching it. I love watching the knockout rounds and in, in tournaments. I love watching the World Cup games. Um, I just, I guess I'm, I'm just someone who doesn't really have a, a fixed team that they support and follow and get up at four in the morning to watch. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> like all my friends here in the States who, you know, they're getting up at 3 a.m. to watch Arsenal and stuff. And I'm, <laughs> it's me when I'm on the West Coast. Yeah, right, honestly. And, you know, we've touched on Thomas Rongan a little bit, but I just wanted to circle back to, to him because this is an extremely special moment for me because I played for Thomas Rongan when I was 18 years old, and this is the first time I've ever seen somebody being depicted as an A-list actor, or by an A-list actor, I should say, and seeing somebody that I know on camera, this is a crazy full circle moment for myself. But I've, I've been curious as a movie fan, how do you go about picking somebody to depict another? Is it, do you look at their looks first or maybe their ability to, yeah. to personify a demeanor? And how did you a land on Fastbender? You know, like, um, there weren't many people on my list, and um, and I know that you know, Michael is he's such a great actor. Um, yeah, he was I mean, he's also a racing car driver. <laughs> he um, he does it all. But when I got to talk to him, he'd he'd seen the documentary already, he read the script, and he really loved that. But the story resonated with him on a very emotional level, and I thought that's really all we needed. Um, you know, I think you can never really hope to get someone who looks exactly or acts exactly like the real person and so for us as filmmakers we always have to give ourselves permission to just you know to let the actor create his version of thomas so that's really you know if you want to see the real thomas then go hang out with the real thomas yeah. <laughs> or if you want the real 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 story watch the documentary Nice. Uh, Taiga, um, as much as I love soccer, there's something that I might love as much as soccer, which is Star Wars. Here it's like go. something that okay. nobody knows about me. Listen, <laughs> this is like my first shot, Alexis. Please, I'm no, meeting please. somebody within the Star Wars universe. I don't think I've met anybody in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> this is his dream, Taiga. Love <laughs> IG-11, by the way. Yes. Um, I know you probably can't reveal a lot of the stuff that you're working on with Star Wars, but Taika, Get me excited, please, on, on what you're working on. Tell me a little bit about uh, the feelings that you might provoke in a Star Wars fan like me with, with your new upcoming project uh, in well, Lucasfilm. Okay, I can't tell you too much, obviously, and I'm still developing it and writing it and, and all that stuff. Um, and it might be one or two films from now for me. But the main thing, really, that you can expect is fun. I'm trying to bring the just fun and enjoyment and entertainment back to to Star Wars. I mean, you remember the feeling you, you had watching, you know, um, the first film, or fourth film, whatever, so confusing. Um, you know, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and then Return of the Jedi. And that, I'm sort of wanting to sort of just capture that feeling that I had when I first saw those films. We don't usually interview people outside of our industry and it's like, wow, right up my alley with Star Wars. So, uh, Taika, I saw some some photos. Uh, you are you are a man of many talents, sir, because you were also you were a a model in an Hermes show strutting yeah. down the runway. That was, I mean, you looked fantastic, number one. But what was that experience like? 
Well, look, when you've got a body like this, you've got to use it. <laughs> Don't I know it? <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point? It's just depriving humanity. Um, so I, um, I you know, I've always been into fashion and been loved that world. And, uh, and yeah, to be asked to, to walk for them was very special. It's an incredible brand, and um, I've always you know, loved Hermes. And, and, but more than that, it was just really fun. Cause, look at you know, this. It was just a fun thing to be able to do. And like, whoa, look at that. Look at this guy. I know. <laughs> look at the look on your face. Brown steel. Brown steel. <laughs> exactly. Brown steel. <laughs> serving. Uh, he's serving. Uh, uh, my main concern, I thought, was less about how I looked, but about how the clothes looked. I really wanted... I really want to make those clothes look good. Spoken like a, a true model. Um, Listen, Taika, before we go, though, I do want to pitch something real quick. And I know we probably okay. shouldn't do this, but I read that a lot of your films are about underdogs. And now you've done a sports movie. So can I suggest the ultimate underdog sports movie? And maybe the only way I'll see the Knicks win a championship is if you make a film <laughs> where that happens. <laughs> so the New York Knickerbockers, the basketball team. Okay. Perennially, perennial losers. I just say, start writing the script, baby. We'll do a parade, even if it's 3D. Three, you know what I mean? Right, so we're going to make it up. Right, so it's a fantasy film. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> wow, that one hit. Alexis, how does that make you feel? Um, Taika, I don't I, know what we're talking about. If you need them to win, I'll make it happen. There you go. Thank you, Taika. We've got it on film. I know. Well, since we're all, we're all kind of geeking out here, so it's my turn. Um, I am a, a massive Flight of the Concords fan. That was. I still have a Flight of the Concords mug that I they drink out of frequently. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I adored that show. And you get to work with Jermaine and Reese very often. Reese is in, in the film. Can I, I'm just curious kind of how you guys met. Is there like a whole New Zealand club in Hollywood where y'all like get together and, and chat and talk about creative things? What is your, your working dynamic a, like yeah. with those guys? It's not a very big club. Um, <laughs> not many of us. Even, even New Zealand is not a very big club. Um, so we all met at university and we did stand-up scene together and did a lot of shows at the comedy clubs and stuff in New Zealand and traveled around going to different festivals together. So we sort of developed our sense of uh, storytelling and style and humor all together. And I still work with all of them. Uh, Jermaine and I are writing, um, uh, uh, working on a, um, a TV adaptation of a movie called Time Bandits. Um, there's other stuff that uh, Reese and I do together. We were on Our Flag Means Death together. He's in the film. Um, Brett and I, we don't, haven't worked together for, for a few years, but um, you know, we, he's very deep into music and scoring for Hollywood films and things like that. So yeah, we're, doing, we're all doing really well and all very supportive of each other. Love that. Love so it. It's honestly, it's one of my favorites. I lived in Brooklyn when they were filming, and I would see oh, them yeah. all the time. And I was always hoping I'd get a little like cameo in there. I try to like kind of linger by the set. Never well, making, didn't happen. You know, there's, there's still talk of like some sort of Christmas <gasps> special or something like that that uh, they've been talking about for a while. I think that they should make a film. Oh, has to happen. Them in the new Chinatown would be hilarious. I got a question oh, yeah. about the next goal wins. Uh, is there any part that you thought you wanted to put in but didn't fit or part of the story that you were trying to sort of get in there? I know sometimes a lot of stuff ends up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. No, there wasn't a huge amount of other things I wanted. I got most of the points that I wanted. There were probably a few, like, stories that, um, you know, that I had heard from, um, from various people that I thought would be pretty fun to get in there, like, yeah, and we did film it, and it didn't make it in the film. Like, for example, the um, story about you know when they, I think when Thomas first turned up, and I, I, I like to believe it's true. Um, 
and the team were practicing without a ball and just just miming uh, passing the ball because they couldn't they didn't have the ball the ball was on the other side of the island at the time Amazing. Well, Next Goal Wins um, opens in theaters tomorrow. Taika, thank you so very much for taking the time to join us. It was an honor, and we can't wait to see um, all the projects that are coming up. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, you guys. It's been a pleasure. Breaking news on Morning Footy. Anthony Robinson has dyed his hair. (laughs) What color would we say this is? Is. That's this is platinum. sort of a plat, but but it's almost a lavender. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting hints of purple What's in there. What's the difference platinum? between platinum it looks and like white? Oh, this is more silvery white. This and this also silver. feels like the reverse of someone going gray, because some of the black hair is peeking through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like Benjamin Button. All I know is there is not a conditioner that exists in this world that's going to keep that soft. Like that is rough on your hair. As somebody who colors their hair frequently, I know a thing or two about this. That's not natural? Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's all mine. Would Everything. Never know. <laughs> you're, not, you're not naturally blonde? No. No. Really? Yeah, I'm, I had no I'm idea. very much a brunette. Very much a brunette. Oh. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, like, if you look at, like, the undercolor of my hair, that's what we're working with. It's dark. Oh. And, like, in college, I went through that angsty, like, dark. Breaking, breaking news. news. Suzanne, Suzanne is blonde. <laughs> Suzanne is not really blonde. <laughs> oh. I've been exposed. <laughs> wow. She's not blonde. Uh, no, no. Hell no. I'm not blonde. But wow. you know what they say. I, I feel like a child who just learned he was adopted. You were not blonde? No. Why would you do this on air? Pornico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, everyone in the control room thought I was. You guys, oh, God love you. You know what? That is a shout out to my hairstylist, Melanie Leonard. Well done. Everyone thought this was natural, so good yeah. for her. Appreciate Shouts to my hairstylist, Juancito. You're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do we think of Anthony Robinson's look, though? He's going to be very easy to spot on the pitch. If I could be honest, I hate it, to be honest with you. And now we better perform, I feel like, when you it's like a statement. Well, remember when Gio did it? Gio yeah. came out and he, does yeah. he, is he still rocking the platinum? No, nah, I think he made a Let's, statement. There, look, look at him. I think, I think it's wavy from Anthony Robinson, but you have to ball <laughs> out, though. If you got hair, when you got hair like you gotta this, you got to justify this. Yeah, look. that's like wearing pink boots on a Sunday league. Yeah. Like, bro, I'm you better come with it. That's a lot you of hair out. color. He spent a lot of time in that yeah. that that seat, and that's a lot of chemicals, and that might that might be coming out in clumps on the field. I don't know. Oof. You better not get in any scuffles because <laughs> that's it's fragile. Stay away from Bukayo Saka, Kim. I feel like he'll get a transfer from Fulham to Turkish team. There you go. Wow, we really are off the rails. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a fantastic Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow.